First Peter chapter 5. It's useful and helpful to study the background of, of books. And, and a lot of times the epistles, when you find out when and under what circumstances they were written, that's especially helpful. And Peter is probably in his 60s or 70s at this point when he writes First Peter. And uh, he is nearing the end of his life. He doesn't have long to go. And assuming he understood what Jesus said in the book of John, he even has a pretty good idea of how he's going to go. I don't know about you, I wouldn't want that kind of information, I don't think. Um, it'd, be, it'd be bad enough to know about when I was going to go, but to know how I was going to go, I'd, that'd be unsettling to me, I think. But he's writing to Jewish believers that have been scattered by what's called the diaspora. It's, it's persecution that, uh, that has, has flung them all over the known world. Now, this is an interesting point. When God does, isn't allowed to rule, he will overrule. What was the last thing that Jesus said before he left? Ye shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. God intended his people to spread out and give the gospel. And they didn't. So God said, okay, if you're not going to do it because I asked you to, you're going to do it because you have to. And he used this persecution to fling them everywhere. It's called the diaspora. Um, Now they're under the persecution of Nero. And it's interesting, this first letter fulfills what Jesus had told Peter to do back in Luke 22. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. But I've prayed for thee. I'm going to tell you something. There's people, even in this room, that if I know they're praying for me, that, that gives me something to go off of. Can you imagine what it is that Jesus prays for you? He said, but I've prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, now he's not talking about when he gets saved. Peter's already saved. He's talking about after he's denied him and gets all that squared away and, and repents and gets back to where he's supposed to be. After thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. And that's what Peter's doing in First Peter. He's following through with what Jesus gave him to do way back in Luke chapter, um, chapter 22. The overall theme of 1 Peter is this, an encouragement to take full advantage of God's grace that you might bear up against increasing persecution and suffering. That's what he's talking about throughout this letter. Now, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 has especially captured me this morning. Let's read it. Be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. This past week, I was dealt a stark, unpleasant, but much needed reminder that Satan is real. And that is, he is active. He's not just real, he is active. 
And he desperately, demonically, wants to destroy our families. When he says, whom he may devour, the word devour literally means to swallow up and destroy, to leave nothing behind. But it's interesting to me. Let's read the verse. It's so important that we read verses as they're written. Look at what it says. Be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he will devour. Is that what your Bible says? Whom he may devour. Not who he will. The devil has no power to destroy believers as he will. So why does it happen? Because it does happen. He can't take their salvation. But has he destroyed testimonies? Absolutely. Has he destroyed marriages? Absolutely. Has he destroyed lives? Absolutely. So how does it happen? I'll tell you how it happens. When we grant him that access. And there are traits that if they're present in our lives, they invite satanic destruction. As preachers get older, as pastors pastor longer, the tendency for them is to get sweeter. At least today, that's just not happening with me. I don't, I don't know if I'm about to die or Jesus is about to come back or, or something, but I, it's very strong in my spirit that we're running out of time, y'all. And I don't have time, and frankly, you don't have time for me to mince words and sugarcoat things. The devil is after us. It is real, and we must see it as it is. And as much as I want people to leave here refreshed and encouraged, today I think maybe we need to leave here afraid and looking and running to our Savior, who's the only one that can help us. Because there are certain traits that if we allow them in our lives, they invite satanic destruction. So we want to look at this subject, that which invites tragedy. That which invites tragedy. Father, it is so critical this morning that we glean especially what we need today. And Lord, if I know anything about Satan, he will do everything he can to distract us and to keep us from getting what we need today. I ask, Lord, that you would bind him, that he would be completely ineffectual in this place. And I pray, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts in an unusual way this morning. Lord, may I do justice to that which you've laid upon my heart to preach. May I be a help and and useful today. More than anything, may I get from this message what I need to be the husband, the father, the pastor that I should be. God, just do something amazing here this morning, we pray. And may Jesus be lifted up, for it's in his name we ask these things. Amen. That which invites tragedy. Be sober. 
Be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, is a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. What invites tragedy, friends? Number one, distraction invites tragedy. Distraction. He says to be sober and to be vigilant. And it is very easy for us to get distracted in our heads and distracted in our hearts. The word sober means to be temperate, to not be under the wrong influences. It's a matter of what you're doing with your mind, what you're doing with your head. And my question is, how often are our minds influenced by everything other than what matters? Our minds and our heads are influenced by social media and TikTok and this person over here who sings this song and that person over there that's in that movie and Netflix and everything else, but not one bit of scripture finds its way into our heads and we get distracted. By the way, you don't have to be watching something that's wicked. You don't have to be listening to something that's God-awful. No, but if you're distracted with what's good instead of looking to what's best, that invites tragedy. It begs for it. We're distracted in our heads, but we're also distracted in our hearts. We've gone to sleep. He says, be sober, be vigilant. Vigilant means aware. It means watching, on guard. And it is so easy for us to be lulled into complacency because we let down our guard. Paul told the Ephesians in chapter 5, verse number 15, See then that you walk circumspectly. Now how serious is this? Paul says if you don't, you're a fool. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. What does circumspectly mean? It literally means to see all the way around you. A couple of weeks ago, we were alerted by local authorities that there was a pit bull mix on the loose around exit 80, that there had been an accident, and this, this, this dog who had already been judged by a court to be vicious they weren't supposed to have the dog. They had an accident. The dog got loose and was then running all over the area. Now, you heard all kinds of things. I heard they attacked 15 people. I heard this. I heard that. I don't know. And listen, by the way, that's not a time to debate and say, oh, the poor baby. He's just afraid. I want to make something very clear, y'all. I don't hate animals. I've got, I've got a dog that, that we tolerate, <laughs> but I don't hate him. Okay, but you need to understand something. That dog bites my kid. The dog loses every time. So we were told that this dog is out there. And so for a while, I told the kids, you need to play inside. And even now, I keep an eye on things. And they know what to look for. And they know what to watch for. And for a few days after that, every time we went to the car, got out of the car, you better believe I was walking circumspectly. Amen. You know why? Because there was the potential that there was something out there looking to hurt my kids. I got news for you, friend. With the devil, there's not the potential for that. It's a certainty. 
He is absolutely out there looking to hurt our kids, looking to hurt us, looking to hurt this church, and yet Christians are walking around and they can't pull their face off their phone long enough to see what's going on around them. Walk circumspectly. But we're distracted, aren't we? And that invites tragedy. I'll tell you what else invites tragedy. Disconnecting invites tragedy. Now, what do I mean by that? He says, be sober. Be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, is a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. And when we look at that, we focus on the two words, adversary and devil. Adversary means legal opponent, opponent. Devil means accuser. And we like to preach messages on that. And that's great. We should. He is, he is our adversary. He is, he is in the courtroom of God constantly accusing us. And that's, that's good to know. But I'll tell you what word we skip over a lot. Because you're adversary not the adversary not an adversary no your adversary now what do we do we disconnect and we say yes there's a devil out there and he's after marriages no friend he's after your marriage yes there's a devil out there and and he's after children no he's after your children there's a devil out there and he's after churches. No, he's after this church. Right. There's a devil out there, and he's, he's looking to steal joy. No, he wants to steal your joy. He wants to ruin your life. He's your adversary. He's your devil. He is interested in you. And we are in great peril when we forget that as much as God is a personal God, Satan is equally a personal enemy. And the devil doesn't mind if we come to the conclusion that he's not interested in us. Oh, he is. He is. You see, we invite tragedy with distraction. And we invite tragedy with disconnecting. Do you remember what we read early on? Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you. Let's make it personal, shall we? Shall we? He wants Claire and Asher. Brandy, Satan wants Braxton. He wants Bridget and he wants Brooklyn. He wants them. He wants Stephanie and Zach. Let's get really where the heart is. He wants grandkids too. And he wants nieces and nephews. And he wants your spouse. (laughs) Well, Andy, we've been married 30 years. Doesn't mean a thing. I've seen marriages of 40 years go under because we disconnected. Well, my marriage is safe, then you're in trouble. Because yes, I'll tell you right now, but for God, my marriage isn't safe. 
because I'm told to be sober and to be vigilant because I have an adversary. There's not an adversary out there somewhere. My adversary walks about seeking whom he may devour. He wants to destroy us. Oh, I'm so glad our church has just been faithful all these years. And you think that there's, there's no way that this church could go under? Satan will destroy this church in a heartbeat if we let him. Sure will. We dare not disconnect. Because that invites tragedy. We dare not be distracted because that invites tragedy. You know what else? We dare, we dare not disregard. This is maybe the saddest for me. There are Christians that know the danger exists and disregard it. They know it. Look at what it says. Be sober. Be vigilant because your adversary, the devil... As a roaring lion walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. I didn't hear him coming, Andy. My Bible says he was roaring the whole way. He came on me so fast, Andy. It doesn't say he runneth. It doesn't even say he creepeth. It says he walketh. Is there anyone in here that I could sneak up on you right now? If I'm just walking like this and I'm talking like this, everybody should know that I'm here. Everybody should know that I'm present. Everybody should know that I could end up in front of you. And yet the devil does this every day. And Christians by the millions disregarding. Why? Because we're more interested in our kids being cool than we are being godly. I got to leave it all on the field, Dole Iron. Can I ask you a question? How would you feel if I announced at our next youth activity, here's what we're going to do. We're going to get all the teenagers at my house, boys and girls, and everybody's going to strip down to their underwear and we're going to play games. Anybody in here be okay with that? You better not be. Why is it okay when we add water? You've known me long enough. I've been here nearly 12 years. I don't pitch a fit about women wearing pants. I'm, I'm pretty permissive on that kind of stuff. I, I don't see that as being the issue that some people do, and I respect people that do see it as an issue. But we can't ignore the fact that the Bible teaches modesty versus immodesty, does it not? And there's daddies all over this area. If their daughter walked out of the house dressed a certain way, we'd say, uh-uh, you go back to that room and you cover up. But come prom time, it's okay. Preach. Go ahead, preach. 
pastor, I don't understand how my daughter got pregnant. I don't understand how my boy got in a mess with this girl. I don't understand. I'll tell you why. We knew the danger and we disregarded it. We took kids that are already hormonal and can't control themselves and we pushed them together because we want them to be cool. That's good preaching right there. I like it. I mean, I want my 10-year-old to love the Lord, but, but certainly he needs, he needs a smartphone. Do you not understand that the devil is prowling Wi-Fi? He's the prince and the power of what? The air and your kids can access pornography or God knows what else with no problem at all. And yet we hand them a phone with no, and by the way, I don't think they ought to have one with a nanny system on it, but we hand them a phone with all the nanny software. Kids are smart enough to get around that stuff and they know how to do it without you knowing it because we're not that smart. If my daughter gets a, a smartphone, let me tell you what she's going to get. She's going to get that one that all you can do is text mom and dad. Right. Amen. We know it's dangerous and we disregard it because we want our kids to be cool. Right. And in doing so, we swing open the gates of hell itself and invite them to head on in. Go ahead, preacher. He's roaring. He's walking at a leisurely pace. Everybody sees him. And they disregard him. Well, that movie's not bad. It only, he only has a few cuss words in it. It's not a big deal. This was a friend of mine that I had back in college, honey, and she just messages me every once in a while because she wants to know how we're doing. Marriages have ended because of that kind of stuff. We disregard it. I got to shut this door. Some of you that have OCD, this will drive you crazy the rest of the service. We get devoured because, not because there were no signs, but because we disregarded them. We see them clearly in culture, in entertainment, in politics, and we ignore them. So what? The devil has no ability to destroy us and those we love unless we invite him to do so. And I think there are husbands, there are wives, there are parents, there are grandparents and aunts and uncles 
that need to find their way to an altar, whether it's this altar or an altar at your pew or the altar of your heart, and you need to beg God to give you the wisdom and the ability to know how to discern, to be sober, and to be vigilant, and to guard against being distracted, against being disconnected, and against disregarding, because when we don't do that, we invite our adversary, the devil, to destroy and devour the lives of everyone around us. And it needs to stop today.